This is Coda Radio, episode 201 for April 18th, 2016. And welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. Now this week, something special. After 200 episodes, we thought we'd really, really screw it up. Why, yes, folks, joining me in studio is Mr. Kernel Linux himself, Noah. Happy to be here to screw up. A show with you hey, anytime, Chris. Hey, Noah. Hey, Noah. <laughs> thanks for being here. Actually, what an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I thought because really we're going to go off the rails this week. Uh, yeah, uh, we were putting together a couple of different episodes in case um, Mike ends up having a baby. I heard that. Yeah, this could be and a his thing. first, right? Yeah, and if everything goes as expected. In a couple of days, that may be happening. In fact, it's, it's supposed to happen, I believe, on the day this episode airs. Really? Now, you and I are going to be on the road off to Idaho at this point. So what we thought we'd do is because Mike's likely having a baby and right. you and I are going to be on the road picking up ham in Idaho, uh-huh. we better get together and put something put something out there nice for the folks. Well, and, ha- having three kids, I'll just tell you that if the baby is planned for Monday, the only day the baby won't come I know. is Monday. Especially when it's the first. Yeah. Uh, but But that doesn't stop us from being prepared. No. I mean, after all, so what we're going to do is, since you're going to, you and I are going to be on the road, and he's going to be preparing, you know, supposedly, mm-hmm. we're going to get this one in the kitty, and we may do another one too, depending on what happens. But uh, Mr. Crack Editor Ham Radio has put together an extravaganza of clips, a couple of different topics too. We're going to do some topical ones, and I believe Noah, you know the secret recipe. I do. Do you have it handy? You can I, give him I, a brief, give him a brief hint, okay. a taste of what could be coming up on the Coda Radio program. What might be coming up? What, what on, might be coming up on the Coda Radio? Program on the Coda Radio program on the two hundred one is interviews. Hey, hold on, hold on. That's too specific. Oh, okay. All right, fine. You need, you need all right, to... fine. A little less teasing. All right. Well, there might be something. Well, that one's already given away. I guess okay. I screwed yeah, that one. Okay, yeah, you blew that one. I, I, fine. Kinda, I, I yeah, screwed that yeah. one up. So we're off to a good start. We're <laughs> running off the rails. Okay. But the second, tra- the second one might have something to do if you wanted to, I don't know, take in some money and I hold it right some there. things. I also just had it hit me in the face like a wet fish in Pioneer Square. What if when we come back from the other end of some clips, you, that reference now. you and I talk about how you've hired developers in the past and how you outsource and, and why you are and contributing? How it's utterly failed. <laughs> why you and how you are contributing to uh, a, a small business ecosystem that we talk about very often on sure. this show? Uh, so uh, what, what we'll do is we'll allow Mr. Ham Radio to take the reins, and then we'll re- we will rejoin you shortly okay. with that discussion. That works. All right, Mr. Dominic. So interviews. Where do you want to start? Uh, so I've been interviewing, and um, wow. So it's kind of funny, because me and uh, Oren Ainey, also known as Ayende Rahim, have uh, also been interviewing at about the same time. And we've come to the same conclusion, though my standards are far lower than his. And I linked, or will link, I should say, to some of his posts in the uh, in the chat room. Definitely go check it out at Ayende.com. So, Chris, are you familiar with FizzBuzz? Oh, that does ring a bell. 
but I yeah, don't remember. I, again, it's the thing where you take like numbers one to a thousand. If it's divided yeah. by fifteen, yeah, yeah. type fizzbuzz. Yeah. yeah, fizzbuzz. Yeah, yeah. I have given that test ten times. It has been failed <laughs> ten times. The uh, the fizzbuzz test is an interview question designed to help filter out ninety nine point five of the programming job candidates who can't seem to program their way out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> That's it a good slogan. Just a terrible experience. Um, you know, and, and I'm not particular, right? So these are interns. So I'm just like, because uh, so I should give some background. We're looking for you know some QA intern interns basically do a little bit of QA development, right? We're going to train them. We're going to teach them how to do test-driven development, stuff like that. Do you fall away uh, from your microphone? You're sounding like you're distant. Am I better now? Yeah. It's the sadness. Oh, it's the sadness. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, this isn't like we're not going to have them doing client stuff. This is just, you know, we have internal projects such as CodeJournal. We'd like people to help us do unit testing, write some tests, document some bugs. You know, this is a really cushy gig. But you have to pass the buzz. Oh, yes. Oh, man. I think I'd feel oh, pref- prefer that you be in New Jersey, right? So you so, come to the office. What's the – now, I, I'm getting the sense maybe this is a younger crowd because you're going for the intern. So these are college students. Okay. These are juniors okay. to seniors. But they're so far, they've all been in um, computer science, computer information systems, um, whatever you want to call programming, right? Yeah, yeah. So they've taken theoretically some sort of course material on it. Oh, yeah. Many of them have taken calculus. Very well, useful. Uh, I have I have come at this from the other angle. Um, okay. I have I have interviewed a lot of guys who are older than myself, right? especially at the time. Not so maybe, I don't know now. But yeah, probably still. I'm sure that would happen. But um, I have had the opposite end where, because a big part of my job is client, was at the time client relationships and, you know, being, you know, comfortable around the clients. I a lot of times mistook confidence for expertise early on in my interviews. So when somebody seemed confident in their presentation, comfortable in their appearance, uh, I a lot of times mistook that as not a presentation, but as backed by, you know, experience. That was one of my biggest mistakes. So I've kind of had the other problem where I've interviewed interviewed older folks who sort of come off as well-equipped socially and prepared and intelligent. Right. Um, but maybe you're actually just better at doing interviews than they are at actually doing jobs. That's happened. And so I've, I, I don't know, I, you know, it doesn't get much better with age, it seems. I hope you're wrong. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> so, uh, all right, you know, let, let's go through my process, though, because I, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing wrong here, and I think this will be helpful to the audience. So interviews, there's a phone screen, right? And that phone screen is as though you were interviewing for any office job. Sure. Are you psychotic? Right, right, right. Did like, you really you, miss something up? Mess? Did you really say something wrong? We don't even need to bother. You know, are you reasonably pleasant, right? Like <laughs> the, the basic stuff for any job, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, nothing, no, I'm not doing any kind of brain teasers. There's no like, you know, hey, why are manhole covers around? By the way, it's so they can't fall in. Uh you know, it's nothing like that. Don't yeah. do that. I interviewed for Google one time, and they were all yeah. about the tricky questions. I'm not doing that because these are interns, and frankly, I expect them to know virtually nothing. Yeah. Right, but if you've taken Java's 1, 2, 3, and 4, I kind of expect you to be able to do FizzBuzz. Sure. In fact, if you've taken Java 1, I expect you to do FizzBuzz. By the way, we'll have FizzBuzz linked in the show notes if you guys want to go take the test. And I'm sure next week I'm going to miraculously get a bunch of people who do it right. 
Um, no one's done it correctly, and I'm not even saying you have to do it in any one language, right? Like, I could make this hard and be like, do it in Objective-C, because most of them won't even know the syntax. Um, additionally, I'm not looking for syntax. I'm just looking, do you have the rationale to solve the problem? Yeah. Yeah, right. And what's your process, and how comfortable are you in that process? Basically, right? Because all, all, all I'm looking for is someone to help me with our internal projects and our game projects on quality assurance. So what do you right? think about maybe giving out some advice for folks who are looking for jobs? Because I know we hear from a lot of people who are on the interview scene right so, now. So there, there's, there's been something, an interesting phenomenon. Okay. The people who ask or have the highest hourly pay expectations have done the worst on the questions and on FizzBuzz. Do you think that's just, what do you, what do you think that is? I have no idea. There seems to be no correlation between GPA and how close or far, I should say, they are from the right solution. There, there seems to be almost no correlation between their academics and the ability to pass the test. Um, I, so that's leading me to a few things. Okay. Are my local universities teaching math and calling it computer science? Maybe, right? That, that seems seems like the truth. Or is this, I mean, is FISBUS too hard for college students? I, I wonder if it's maybe, the, depending on the area, the people who are doing the teaching don't know what the hell they're doing. So the reason I picked FISBUS is when I was in college and I got that Java part-time job, that's what they had me do. <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm, I didn't pull this out of the air. And if you look at Joel, Joel Spolsky, um, you know, he's had the same problem. And he, his test, is, he goes further, but he starts with FISBUS. So this isn't like some random thing. Like I'm not saying they're like, you know what? Build me World of Warcraft, right? I'm not being a tool. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean, Zane. FizzBuzz is... Zane, luckily enough, was brought on before I started doing the test, it looks like. But I bet you Zane would pass. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, it's harder to find qualified people, maybe? Maybe you should uh, try uh, Maybe you should try an uh, H1B1. So, so, <laughs> oh. oh my goodness! So what I'm concerned with is, you know, these are not freshmen, right? These are juniors and seniors. And for many of them in May, they're going to go out and they're going to get jobs. Maybe. Are we going to have just an entire class of totally incompetent junior developers? <laughs> well, they're going to have to learn quick. <laughs> is, that, is that what's up? Like, Well, you know, maybe it's just that these are the kind of skills that school just doesn't really have, is not well equipped to teach. And the only real way to learn is by doing, because you have to solve a problem. But when someone comes to you and they've taken, you know, principles of software development, Java programming is one, two, and three, or whatever, and they can't write what should be a 50 or less, you know, Java, bit of Java code, right? And it doesn't have to be Java, like I said. Something's wrong. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Something's very wrong. What I found during my interview process was that, you know, because experience varied so much, what I really kind of landed on is sussing out if people had a passion for the topic that I was interviewing them for. And then, you know, mm-hmm. kind of following it from that direction. So a lot of times what it is is you have people who are not really, they're not, they just haven't figured it out yet that they're not going after the right job. They're not going after the job that, that excites them. That it really is their passion. Because when you talk to those people, it almost, you know, their eyes light up. You can almost just tell immediately this person lives this. 
Um, and that was sort of the sense that I started to try it. Then that would sort of be what I would align the interview from. And, uh, you know, obviously if the job required that somebody knew how to use SSH, I'd make sure that they had that skill set and stuff like that. But eventually I would try to look for the passion, the intellect, and the ability to learn combined with past examples of accomplishing tasks, you know, successfully from the resume and from talking with them. Then normally, you know, that would be essentially kind of what I would hone in on. But, you know, I was hiring developers. I don't know. Maybe, you know, there's so not really a test actually, you can give them. It's like you I can't should actually thank you. I've been using one of your questions. What blogs, tech magazines, or podcasts do you read or listen to where appropriate? Yeah. Yeah. Does that, does that help? <clears throat> Pretty much. Because um, if they don't have an answer to any of that, then there's an idea. That- so what's interesting is there's a university near me called Monmouth. They are producing the more confident candidates. And maybe this is a bad thing to say, but the less traditional, what you would think of a software developer, uh, more of that programmer, and they're just not into it, right? For them, it's a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. Yeah. My alma mater has a few gems, but their programming course is actually tied to the business school. Mm. So it's a business degree, right? It's uh, information systems. And let me tell you, they could write you an Excel macro like it's their job. <laughs> Fizzbuzz? Mm, not so much. That's too bad. Yeah, it's and, and Zane just had a comment in the chat, and if you don't know, Zane's an intern with us. Uh, that until he worked for me, so no one in his, none of his peers in college use Git or source control or anything like that. Well, that's oh, right. okay, okay. So maybe it is just that I, because remember, I never took a CS course, so maybe I feel like computer science. You know, like if you go get an accounting degree, you're kind of a somewhat competent junior accountant, right? Like. You can go get a job and do data, you know, do bookkeeping. Maybe that's not the case. With right, I think school is trying to teach more conceptual stuff, but they're they're missing the mark. Okay, so let me just give the solution to FizzBuzz, and I'll have to change my thing. Boom! All you have to do to pass my my FizzBuzz is use the the mod function, right? The stupid uh, percent sign thing. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I don't even care if you get it wrong. <laughs> As long as you do that, I'm gonna give it to you. Oh man! Well, there you go. Yeah, now, yeah. Now that's so simple. You gotta, you gotta come up with something else. But, but, but that's it. All you have to do is know that, huh? If, if you know, I mod fifteen equals zero, it must be divisible by fifteen. Now I know. Now I know. Yeah, or if I mod, you know what I mean? It's like, or else if I mod five, else if I. No one has thought to use the mod thing at all. I think it's technically called Modulo, or I can never say it right, but I call it a mod. I think everybody else calls it a mod. I don't even care if your parentheses are wrong or if your syntax is screwed up. You can hand it to me written in lipstick for all I care. That's a pretty low bar. That's a pretty low bar. Yeah, you should be able to just step over that bar. Yeah, yeah. Or hop, maybe. Glide. Hmm. Well, so now what? Now what do you do? I'm gonna go cry. Is that is that fair enough? You gotta just yeah. Make, what about like finding somebody who's done a little bit of work in that area? Is there anybody that's done that kind of stuff that's at an intern level? Not really. I'm sorry. Repeat the question. Well, I'm just wondering if if you could go find somebody who's maybe put something up on GitHub that you like some sort some you know. Yeah. So that seems to be a better way. And actually, I've started talking to people who listen to Coda Radio that aren't local. Because at least they have a passion, right? All oh, right, you're trying to go local too, right? I forgot. Yeah, and that adds a layer yeah. of yep. complexity. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, absolutely. If I wanted, yeah. 
Man, too bad I need somebody here in studio because if I could hire just anybody around the world, I'd, I'd have some great candidates to pick from. Well, that's the thing. If you, if you could go to, you know, I'm limiting myself to anyone in the U.S., but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like the chat room. They're like, seriously, the answer was just to use mod? What did I interview you last week? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, probably, right? That's why I didn't get a call back. All right. So Daniel writes, and let's focus on something that matters. Daniel says, hi, Chris. I think I first saw your show uh, at Linux Fest Northwest back in 2011. I had no idea what was going on. But many years later, still a big fan. I watch Coda Radio and the Linux Action Show. Now I'm a master student at Carnegie Mellon University in information systems management, which is basically a technical management degree that covers lots of topics, you know, like stats, software development management, machine learning, distributed systems, you know, the norms. Anyways, I'm looking for a full-time gig and have been interviewing with a lot of large companies. A topic that I thought you might want to cover on the show is the technical interview process, which I think, more or less, is a broken process. I'd love to come on for a session to talk about it. Well, we should do a Mumble Room show about this one time. Uh, he says, a topic everyone is interested in at one point or another. Keep up the great work. Daniel Miller. So uh, the technical interview process, I don't know where you're at on this. We've talked about this from time to time. Is there anything you really wanted to talk about in this realm, Mr. Dominic? Uh, you know, I, I, we've talked about it a few times. I think we kind of beat it to death. I, I just say it, it's obviously broken, right? Because you have, you know, 20 minutes to figure out if someone's competent or not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I wonder, is it more broken than any other interview process? I mean, if you're hiring an accountant, isn't it this isn't yeah, because like you know what I always what I was just about to throw in your face is like, uh, well, yeah, it's yeah, it's bad because the HR people and the hiring people they they're never technical. They wouldn't know if you're answering the right questions. They don't know what to ask you. But of course, that would be the, that would be the same with anything that's really specialized. It could be AutoCAD. It could be QuickBooks. They're not going to be experts on any of that stuff. Driving a semi, right? Like, right. I certainly don't know how to do that. But the other thing is, you know, I wonder is it. Is it better to get someone who's super technical but can't like survive in the organization? You know, doesn't kind of mix well. I would probably say no, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that's. I kind of think interviewing just sucks in general. Mm -hmm. It's bad for everybody. Nobody enjoys it. Right. It's and uh, it's one of these things where you have to sell yourself, and then that's very stressful too. It's it's always much nicer when it can work out organically, uh, which is not really the normal thing. But like, uh, but sometimes this happens a little bit more often with open source projects, where an open source project just kind of starts as a side thing. It eventually gets a large enough base where there's a way to generate some revenue for it, uh, and it and it becomes a job. Right. And then now all of a sudden it's a job, but you know. Maybe as the as it grows, like you need becomes more than just one person, and you need to hire a couple of people. Well, a lot of times when a project gets to that size, where maybe you have to get from one person to maybe five people, those people generally just come in from the community where they've already been doing the work for a while, you know. Uh, and you can apply that same thing. Like when we hired Rikai here, uh, he had you know he had been a member in the community for a long time, creating uh, apps for us, managing community stuff, and so. Uh, it wasn't really quite an interview process because we'd known him for like five or six or seven years or whatever it was at that point. Uh, and so if, if open source projects and other community-based stuff has a little bit of an advantage there, whereas businesses where it's much more, you know, somebody's coming in the door, that process, because it just – that's not how people work. It's essentially – it's trying to it's trying to accomplish something that's just not how you, you learn about people. It's just not how we work. And – yeah. It's just not compatible with the business world, I think. I, and I also wonder, like, I don't know. I mean, 
to me, technical interviews make the most sense at the junior level when you want to make sure the person can, you know, write a for loop. Um, do I, I don't know. I, it's, it's not, I mean, I, I was about to say, I don't think you need them after a certain point, but you definitely do. Well, here's what I think is going to happen. <clears throat> I think maybe this, we should zoom out because we're always, we're, we're getting, here's the thing. Everybody knows this is broken. So eventually right. that means it's probably going to have to get addressed because if everybody kind of openly acknowledges, okay, yeah, we kind of got a problem here, uh, then it's in the business's best interest to fix it because then they get better results, right? They don't like losing money and, and, and hiring the wrong person is one of the most expensive things you can do as a business. Oh, it's a huge mistake, especially if you don't fire them fast right. enough. So this yeah. process is going to get fixed and the only way I can really see how to do it because if you're going in for a technical job, then a person should be evaluated on their technical merits and that to me means portfolio and to me that means things like established GitHub profiles and the reason why I say things like GitHub is because that's what's going to be in the common parlance once these people are going to look for these things, right? In fact, you could even – and maybe these might already exist. I've been out of the game for a while. But couldn't you even see like a hiring manager's like a research tool that automatically you plug in the GitHub user ID and it goes in and sucks in all their information about their GitHub stats and their projects and they put it into a portfolio about the candidates that they're looking at? It seems like that's, if that doesn't exist, yeah, it's going to exist I, pretty exist pretty damn soon. I, I could see that getting gamed so quickly. Sure, yeah, yeah. But the, this is obviously – that's the thing is whatever new thing that they go to will also have problems. That's, just, that's the way it goes. But uh, you're either going to have to go to something and it seems like a merit-based sort of review process where you can look at code and or even just look at activity on other projects and say, yeah, this person is somebody who walks the walk. Well, let me ask you this, Chris. If you were to just say, you know what, drop a grenade, blow up JV tomorrow, and you had to go get a job, you you wouldn't like go to a recruiter, right? You would get a job on some sort of referral or relationship, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, to tell you the truth, though, I I'm so focused on this that I have not nurtured any of those contacts. In fact, I've even neglected them to an extent when they've reached out and be like, "Hey, would you come in for a couple of days?" Now I'm at the point now where I don't even respond because I've said no so many times. So I don't know, to tell you the truth. Um, I think what I would probably do is take some of the boxes out of my garage and build a box fort and go live down by the river, to tell you the truth. I, I'm pretty much un- unemployable, I think. I mean, I, I have done this now uh, you know, for a couple of years, and um, yeah, I just don't think I'm employable. I really don't. I could maybe, you know, maybe what I would do is I would go, I would go do, I would take this knowledge set and go do contracting and help people set this up, like radio stations set up live streams. and Right. Well, I guess my, my – yeah, because you took that in a totally different direction. I was thinking like people who have experience, who've done a few projects, a little more senior, I, I don't think they're going through the whole recruiter process of needing, needing to be screened out with FizzBuzz, right? Oh, like, oh, I follow. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah because also uh, – uh, well, you know, it used to be that you just kind of would become known too. Right. So in a and way, you, just, you didn't really yeah. have to go through the regular screening process because people kind of knew you. You usually get usually you get referred at that at that level. Like, oh, you know, my friend so and so is looking for work, and he'd be great here. It's usually at that level how you'll get hired, or even they'll seek you out. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So is this? I mean, it's a little weird for you and I to answer it since we haven't had a job in you know yeah. a while. <laughs> So maybe we would both go on monster.com and be horrified. Could you work a nine to five? I mean, there's elements of it that you probably would find um, soothing, right? 
Well, I mean, a steady paycheck, you know. Yeah, I don't even. I don't even. But but, uh, yeah, yeah. People always say, "Oh, I got a steady paycheck." Yeah, they can fire your ass. They can lay you off. They can get bought out and downsize. I mean, that happened. I, I literally. The only reason I say that is because I worked at a place, and here was the line. Because you know, I'm an old fart, and I had a job during the dot com uh, boom and pop and all that. And uh, the line that I was fed for like four years, maybe five years. I worked there for seven years, so. I'd say about five years, the line I was fed was, we're not going to pay you as much as if you went down to Seattle, but we're 25 miles north. Okay, that was a good point. That's the number reason why I took the job. Number two, we've never laid anybody off in 25 years of being in business, so you have a stable job even though the dot-coms are failing all over the place. And uh, number three, you'll get nice steady uh, wage increases for years. You'll get vested. You 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 pretty much, as long as you do your job, you have a job for as long as you want. Uh, and then in my in my sixth year, they outsourced all of us, laid us all off except for the CEO happened to like me. Uh, so uh, the CEO stepped in and saved my job and I became a, a security I, – I got moved over to security um, and everybody got laid off. Everybody. They all, Some of them got hired by the consulting firm and this was a company that told you you'll never get laid off here. You have a good steady paycheck. We never laid a single person off in 25 years and they laid off all of us. So I don't I don't even buy the steady paycheck line anymore. You know, it's funny because because I've been on both sides of that equation. Uh, it, first of all, it sucks for everybody. <laughs> no, well, maybe at a big company, they care less. Like I, I can't see, you know, Larry or Sergey being like, oh, so sorry. You know, they're not Asian. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> um, every time I say Sergey Brin, I, I always think of the guy. You you ever see the guy from uh, Huawei where he dresses up like Steve Jobs? Uh... Like fake Steve. Oh, if you haven't seen this, Chris, you have to see. No, it. I've seen the Huawei guy who looks like fake Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think of him. I'm just trying to. Always oh, inappropriate. Okay, okay. Send your hate mail to you know what? Send it to me, Alan. Oh, okay. Send it to me. Um, BSD now. I, I, I will say that I, I I do think you're right that the whole like W two J O B job thing isn't as secure as people think it is. Um. Yeah. I mean, the, what it really is for me would be so many things are no longer my problem because I, I actually think what I have now is more stable because like if I if it, if it messes up, it's probably because I messed it up and I'm, I'm planning. I'm not planning on messing anything up. Maybe that's a little arrogant, but that's currently my intention is not to mess things up. I just want to keep doing what I do. And as long as the audience likes it, then I think we're good. Uh, but it, so I feel like this is actually more stable than anything else. But if I was at a job, I wouldn't be – the stability wouldn't be what it is for me. It would be the fact that I didn't have to pay for that desk. I didn't pay for those chairs. I didn't have to buy that mat. Those paper towels you're using in the restroom, I didn't buy all of those, right? It's all of those things that are no longer my problem anymore. Uh, you know, the mortgage, the, the, the association fee, having to hire somebody to, to take care of the yard because I'm too busy doing a show. All of these things – are my problem right now that don't help me make shows at all. That would, if I could just go work for somebody and be a podcaster, I would never have to think about any of those things. So, so that's the thing, right? Like, I very recently I spent more time on the phone or in Excel than I did in Xcode, right? I mean, that's. Uh, but then, Chris, wouldn't you become like a one man consultant and just say, because, because yes, you still have all that invoicing crap and all that, you know, buy the chairs, yeah. but you're buying one chair, right? Uh, you're buying one desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're sending, what, one invoice a month or right. two invoices a yeah, month? Not, yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess so. I suppose so. I guess I would probably do that, yeah. I mean, what we could all do is make little Android-based game consoles um, and, you know, sell them for 99. Oh, God. 
oh, I like where you're going with this. And then maybe we could like uh, uh, update them from like uh, every couple of years. We could just launch a new Kickstarter and have them fund it for us. Yeah, like, you know, I was doing something similar last night in Brooklyn. I had a tin cup and I was on the streets like this. Change, change, spare some change for an iOS developer, please. <laughs> oh, Mr. Dominic, I don't believe I, I, you. I, don't I believe used Jar Jar's you. accent the first time, but it, it really, people kept hitting me and like, <laughs> it, it was weird. I got assaulted. out of here. I think that we should all make those businesses fail. Now, because that's going to take some time, let's take a moment first and thank Linux Academy, a great resource if you want to more learn not just more about Linux itself, but all of the, the really sort of empowering technology stack that runs on top of it. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders is where you got to land yourself to support the show and learn more. 2,364. Self-paced courses, available, videos, you can watch, downloadable comprehensive study guide, instructor mentoring when you need it, scenario-based labs. It is a great service, and they're recently restructuring the pricing, the way it works, super aggressive, and you get a great discount by going to linuxacademy.com slash coders. I think one of the things that is probably the most valuable is that they are really just passionate about the subject material. And so while today that represents great courses on today's technology, it also means down the road they're going to continue to add really good courseware. And they follow in such a way that, well, honestly, like the way your hosts do. We get really enthusiastic and passionate about it. We do deep dives into it. And one of the things that they're able to do now because they've been growing their subscriber base is they've been hiring editors to come in and keep existing content relative or a relative and um, also up to date right mm-hmm. make sure that it stays something that's current uh, and i think that's a very valuable thing when you think about how fast this technology moves and it's a it's a game you're always going to have to play mm-hmm. something it's just a, it's just a race but it's a challenge that they're willing to take and they've really got some great courseware in the works too android app is in near development i believe close to release which mm-hmm. is going to be really nice to just sit back like on a tablet they have an ios one already if you have like an internet paddle if you want to go get some of the Red Hat certified courseware, like some of the work that Noah has done, they've got great courses on that. If you want to work in OpenStack, if you need to learn Python or PHP, they've got great courseware on that as well. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. The range is impressive. Go check them out. And a big thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Coder Radio program, LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. So, Mr. Noah, you were telling me before that you've dabbled in outsourcing or hiring developers to do work because uh, – so for those of you who don't know, uh, Noah owns a uh, – business, and it's an IT consulting business called AltaSpeed, and it's in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And you're primarily focused in the hospitality industry, like hotels and whatnot. So there's not probably a daily need for a developer on staff, right? No, there's not. But we've had – well, so – um, you know, from the hospitality standpoint, no. But we've had a couple of different needs internally and then one need externally. And so I'll go through. We started with <clears throat> simply the need for a, a ticketing system, right? And so at the time, uh, w- there was there was not a good open source uh, option available. And so I actually wrote one from the ground up. Now, I'm the worst programmer on the face of the planet. And anyone that actually codes will know that if they look at any of my code. But it works. It got the job done. That was the most successful <laughs> yep. venture we've had in programming. Because let me tell you what happened next. <laughs> ne- next... I come here to Jupiter Broadcasting to, to, to work on Linux Fest, and I realize that we really need some changes in OBS to really make it work for us, the multiple streams deal. So I say to myself, self, it would be really good if you went and hired an open source developer and fixed these things. So I contacted myself, a open source developer, and I explained what I needed, and he says, I've looked at the code, and actually, 
the software is capable of doing this. There's just, just to no, be clear, you're not talking to yourself at this point. You're talking to an actual yes, developer. Yes, no longer talking to myself. Now I have involved a developer in my self-conversation. Um, and so I, I explained what I needed, and he looks and he goes, yeah, all the code is in the back end. We just need like the little boxes for the in the UI to add these, you know, the, what you want to do. And I said, great, awesome. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that. So I paid this open source developer. I'm like, let's go ahead and do this. And he gets back to me and he's like, so I can't accept full payment because, as it turns out, we went to push these changes and the developers have decided that they're not going to accept the changes and because it's not a priority to them right now. So your choices are I can give you the code that I have done and then you can you know, manage your own fork or we can just drop the whole project. Well, managing my own fork from the beginning of a project, like OBS is just getting to the point where it's getting useful. So every release has major milestones of stuff that we have to have. That's not really a practical right, solution. Right, because you're going to have to patch every single release. Yeah, that's not really a practical solution. And so I basically I pay, we 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 agreed on a price you know kind of a a, a a middle price and said well I'll just I'll pay you for this because you spent a lot of time and effort but I can't really use any of the code you wrote because you know they won't accept it so that was fail number one so fail number two I we switched over to OS Ticket for all of our ticketing support and that was great except I hate web apps well right? so before we go too far yeah I guess the the lesson learned there was in a way you assumed unfortunately incorrectly that. You could change the upstream. You could have a contributor. You would have to, I guess, in order to get that to work, you would probably have had to hire a core OBS developer. Well, I think what my mistake was is I assumed that a passive conversation of of them saying that that was on the roadmap in the future was the same thing as if we bring you the feature implemented, then they'll go ahead and just implement. Why couldn't they just accept the code? Do you know, I don't know. And and my, you know, part of me, the part of me says that. Um, you know, they're obviously the people that are involved in that project are doing it out of their passion. So if there's there was a reason that they couldn't accept it, I would assume that they have a legitimate reason. I just don't understand it enough to be able to say that was a good reason or a bad reason. So I've just I mean, maybe they myself. have like a long term plan to rework that entire section of the app. Yeah. You know? So no, I, I, I just yeah. don't know. So I've just yeah. withheld judgment. But it was it was it, needless to say, two things happened. I didn't get the feature I wanted. And I spent, uh, you know, uh, you know, some some money uh, on, you know, that it didn't work out. So, well, before you tell the next story, mm-hmm. why don't we give the floor to Mike for a bit? Because I feel bad. Cause oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll give the, we can give the floor to Mike. You can come back and tell us the next story. Uh, and uh, as the Coda Radio program has progressed, there's so, there are several big themes the show has taken away. And Ham, you know, very right has has very rightly sort of. Even from afar, without much direction, I think he managed to pick it out for this episode. So mm-hmm. I will leave it to Mike for a bit. We'll turn it back. Actually, I'm in there too. Pass Chris and Mike. Take it away. Let me jump into Mike with topics. I think my topic could be a conversation starter. And if the chat room jumps in, we'll you know totally. try to hear him out. Okay. I love it. So, Chris, I've been uh, thinking of uh, making a change. You know, one of those operations you see about on the Bravo Network. <laughs> um, um, uh, yes, I do know what you're referring to, but I don't think that's the actual change you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, you alluded to it a couple weeks ago that I might be, you know, switching the gears a little bit. And I'm exploring opportunities, you know, getting a J-O-B job, where I was kind of am. You know, just kind of poking my head up above the sand like an ostrich. Saying maybe enough with the rat race of contracting, maybe going for a 9-to-5 kind of thing. Yeah, you, you know what the best thing about clients is? <laughs> when they pay you. I was going to say when, they're, when you don't have them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, the worst thing about clients is What's they that? sometimes don't pay you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's I've been exploring. Not not necessarily, you know, for sure, not necessarily whatever, right? It's it's kind of a kind of a, an expeditionary force, you could say. 
And wow, people are crazy now. I haven't done this in years. Oh, what do you mean? And the world has changed. I feel like uh, I feel like Frodo coming out of the Shire, and everything's gone down to shit. Like everything is crazy. Yeah, I. You know what? I have had that same sensation when I when I was uh, working with my buddy Chase to help, to look for a job, and just like they want everything under the sun too. And well, so so I, I have turned down three very well paying offers. Would you like to know why? Yeah. You want to do them in order? Offer number one, the guy gives me the offer and brags about how they often never get out of the office till 11, 11.30 at night. Oh. Gone. Um, offer number two was, and we're hoping to get more funding soon. Oh. Gone. Offer number three was actually the least painful, but the most awful process I've ever gone through yeah. to get any work in yeah. my life. It was, it, it was, you know, I went through it just because I, I'm kind of trying to see, is it just me or am I, you know, it, the questions people are asking have nothing to do with anything. Um, like, the, like these weird brain teasers and you finally get the job, you finally get the offer, but it's like, dude, you're such a dick. Like, why would I ever want to work here? Yeah. You worry, like, what does that mean? Like the job would be, what, how does that reflect on the culture? Well, I'm always thinking like, so if this is how obnoxious you are interviewing, what happens if I get like a stomach flu, right? Like I'm thinking like the, the very mundane, you're not a robot kind of problems you could have, you know, you need to call in sick or whatever. And to be clear, we're not talking Microsoft, Apple, Google, any of those guys here, but we're talking uh, significantly smaller, basically high risk. You're crazy if you take these job startups. So I was kind of wanting to take the temperature, you know, put the uh, thermometer in the butt of the audience a little bit. Sure, yeah. Is this normal now? Because, like, having been on the other side of the table, I never put people through these kind of things. And not all of them did. But it it seems like there's a whole, there's a whole, like, culture of paranoia. I was wondering, too, if it's like, uh, if the interview isn't, like, you almost, like, it's part of the show. How rigorous the interview is is almost part of the show. And, you know, the last one, I kind of felt like they were trying to show me that it, it was... You know, not going to be like a big fish, little pond kind of thing, which I never thought going in. Right? I'm not. I'm not a you know dick, basically. So spin in the chat room says it's an East Coast thing. Maybe it is. I mean, because I yeah, I'm on the East Coast. I don't know. I was interviewed by Google, and okay. I, I was put off by all the stupid, dumb questions that they I, uh, that I felt. So it was for a sysadmin position at Google many years ago. Right. And uh, it was the whole interview was nothing but a series of mind game questions, and. I'm not particularly good when put on the spot with those kinds of things. And so I kind of, I think it sort of put me on the defensive a little bit, but I, I handled the interview fine. But afterwards, when I was done, I thought I didn't like the way that felt like it was almost, it almost was like, let's not care about what he can do, what his experience has been. And let's just come up with something we think is really clever and see if he thinks it's really clever and is as clever as we are. Or I don't know exactly the mind. It's almost like. It's almost like, look at this ingenious thing that we've come up with that we are now going to subject you to. Look how clever we are. So one, of, one question that really, really put me off was, this is interviewing for an iOS developer job. Keep that in mind, right? It's like lead iOS or whatever. How do you reverse a linked list? And I give an answer, and then I follow it up. By the way, there are no linked lists in iOS. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm just – I definitely got the feeling that like that person in particular was trying to – you know, show 
show off a little bit. And yeah. I, I have a, like a, you know, I, on the train back, I'm thinking, what is going on here? Is this some weird like salary negotiation tactic where they try to make you feel like you could learn something there so that you'll be more willing to? Yeah, Alex Bell, and you know what? No. When I was done, when I was done, I had this feeling. What Alex Bell just says in the chat room, he says, part of it is the elitist Stanford grads giving you the one of us questions, and that's exactly what it felt like. And I sat back and I thought, I think what they're trying to do is determine my ability to problem solve. But the problem was I was so distracted by this sort of unorthodox line of question, especially for like, you know, seven, eight years ago. And I was so perplexed by this unorthodox and how it felt like it doesn't reflect on my abilities at all and how I felt sort of disadvantaged by all of a sudden I've been giving this question that doesn't allow me to actually express what my capabilities are, even in like in how I can communicate very well, like in different like – like it just is like it's – I was so off-put and distracted by all of that that very little of my actual attention was on solving the problem. Well, part of it was like it felt like pub trivia, but a lot of it wasn't relevant. <laughs> a lot of it was, um, you know, I got the classic wire on manhole covers around, right? By the way, if anybody asks you that question, the correct answers are because a circle won't fall into itself, but also thank you for your time. I'll, I'm no longer interested. I, why... I mean, it, it, the, I guess that's what I'm asking. Is it me, Chris? Am I, am I too – have I been out of it too long, right? Like, I don't know. It, I look at the chat room and it's interesting. So uh, so one – and it's possible. Day 420 says uh, it's a test of emotional sensitivity. How do I react under pressure? But J.B. Hawk of Truth says it's silly because you wouldn't do this to a lawyer or an animator. And that I completely agree with. You know, that's a great point, right? If you're interviewing an attorney, you would ask them about cases they've tried or settlements they've reached if, if they can discuss it, which is kind of what I expected, right? I kind of expected to talk about projects I've done and, like, the technical details of those and I'm walking through how I solved the problem, maybe getting, you know, maybe getting questioned on my solution and maybe pointing out flaws in it, but not random crap. And I think, you know, Jacob has a point. Maybe they're trying to, or was it Jacob? Yeah, Jacob. Maybe they're trying to, you know, needle you a little bit to see if you'll get annoyed. Yeah, and that's what I was, and so I did stay, because that crossed my mind, but see, even that right. now is running through my head. Is this a test of, is, is how I handle the test a test? Like, that's a double-layered extraction of, 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 of distraction now. Double-layer right, extraction here, of distraction. Here's the problem. So if you annoy someone, then give them an offer because you're super excited that you, you know, you'd be able to land them. And then they decline the offer because they don't want to work with the guy who harassed them for two and a half hours. You've wasted everybody's time, right? I, I, I can't you – know, I mean, maybe I'm too touchy-feely, but I would not want to work in an environment where the guy sitting next to me is going to be like, are you sure you want to do it that way? Which is kind of what it feels like. Hmm, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's anything creative. Yeah. So uh, the, here's also, I think, another contributor to this. And part of it is, so I think we've kind of focused on the, the probably the most negative, likely, reason people do this. Another reason is, and we've lamented about this on this show, is you have these people that are doing these interviews. They're not qualified to, 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 to choose which candidate should come in and when they should move on to the next level. It's just not and, – and they could be not qualified in the technical sense. They could be not qualified in the 
communication skill sense or in the position sense. Like there's so many things that can disqualify these people that are interviewing candidates that as a corporation, your solution to this is to create a regime standardized way to conduct these interviews. That way you can slot these slobs in and out as they leave and they don't care about them. You just, here's your script, follow this. These are the questions we ask. You don't need to worry about individual thought and ask these questions, and that standardizes the whole process and means that anybody can ask these questions and you see how they do because the answer is always the same. Well, it, it, it's, you know, and, and I want to make sure I'm not overstating my argument here. I'm not saying that a couple screening questions are bad. No, yeah. But I'm just saying if you're talking to someone who you do your screening questions and then you're talking to someone who obviously has projects that they've obviously done and can prove that they did, right, wouldn't that be a more productive conversation to know how they think? Yeah. Um, maybe I I try. So, so here's what I heard from people because I did ask one guy. Um, you know, well, let me ask you this because it, it wasn't a good fit. And I said, "Well, why do you do this?" He claimed, which I find it very, very hard to believe, but he claimed that there are lots of people that recruiters will send them that straight up lie or the recruiter straight up makes stuff yeah, up. Yeah, so I was going to play a little devil's advocate here, and I was just right. going to say, well, and it's not just that. So you have to kind of weed out just sort of the total duds. But also, as a business owner, I consider like one of the most risky and expensive things I could possibly do is hire somebody. And so uh, to me, I've got to make sure that when I'm making that investment in a person, it's not just because they know how to do the job I need done today. I need to know that in two to three years, as the job changes, they will have the skill set to adapt and problem solve to the new job as that job evolves, i.e., I need to know I can make an investment in them. And so right. in this very awkward, limited, forced mechanism of determining if I want to invest a very crit- critical part of my business into this person... I have got to be able to determine if they have the capability to properly problem solve troubles that I believe to relate to the relative complexity of problems they might encounter in the job they'd be going for. Ergo, let me ask them this really off-the-wall question, even though it has familiarity and and complexity to a problem they might hit on the job. That's probably the business reason for it, right? I guess. I mean, I'm I'm trying, you know, I've been on both sides of the table, and... For junior people, we did FISBUS, right? We actually made them take a test, yeah. which I even felt a little uncomfortable about, but things were getting just too painful not to do that. So you went to FISBUS. Right. So I, I went to FISBUS, but if you passed FISBUS, we'd talk about the things you'd worked on in school or whatever, and it would take a much more kind of you know not crazy, disrespectful yeah. tone. Right, and, and I, I would go back to, because my counterargument to my devil's advocate argument that I just made is, well, show me the GitHub page, and I, I can right. probably get a pretty good idea of what kind of problem solving you've done. Like if I were to continue doing this, I think I would, you know, in a cover letter, just show a bunch of code, a bunch of open source, and hopefully just short circuit that whole process. Yeah. Because here's the other thing: like, <laughs> I had one company email me back a quiz, and they refused to like tell me what the company was. So I just replied, "Thank you, but you know, it's not really a great use of my time if I can't yeah. even see if it's something I want to pursue." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. That always feels really weird when they try to hide that information from you. Right. Like, oh, we're a stealth startup. That's nice. Yeah, I've got a large software maker in your area that's very interested in hiring right. you. They're asking me not to share the name right now, uh, but you've probably heard of them. Um, and then, so, I'm, of course, what do I start thinking of? So, if I'm in, the, if I'm in my area, Amazon, Adobe, and Microsoft, Microsoft come to mind. Sure. 
And then, sure. and then, of course, it's not any of them at all, ever. It's some Bothell-based small little company that I've never heard of. Uh, and it's just uh, that kind of stuff drove me nuts. That was one of the things that got me out of trying to get a gerb gerb completely. And maybe it's recruiters, right? Maybe yes. recruiters yes. Are, the, are the are the the leeches, right? The leeches or the or the fly in the ointment here, because you know, you know, I have a buddy who was interviewing for jobs, and the recruiters can be pretty aggressive about pushing you on a, on a company, right? Yeah, and they might do some things that are less than. Why hasn't this been quote unquote disrupted? Why isn't there a Tinder for jobs? Like, why is this not better? Well, shouldn't GitHub just be that? Like, shouldn't it be like, oh, this guy applied for a job. Let me check his GitHub page. Oh, he has some open source code here. Okay, he's obviously not lying. So we can do a normal, you know, hey, are you, are you a cultural fit? Are you an axe murderer? There have, been, there, have been, there have been times where if I, if I had more free time, I've thought I should just launch a Jupiter Broadcasting job board because then at least, like, there's some bar. Because you're, you're, the right. bar is you listen to Jupiter Broadcasting content. That that's actually a, a pretty good starting bar for a, for a hiring and job site right there. So you put them there and then to see what jobs people who listen have available and see what jobs the people who listen need. You make them up. I've always thought that would be like I just just so crazy that really smart people are just sitting out there that can't get work and there's really smart people out there that need to have jobs done and then we go through this inane frustrating process in their defense right devil's advocate i can totally understand hiring kids out of college why you're doing this okay all right because i've interviewed dozens of them and oh my god get your money back yeah like have those loans discharged or whatever you need to do but someone who can again show you a github page show you projects say go download this um do you need to do it? And even if you do, ask your one or two questions. You know, it's funny because I get, I, for years, right, and Chris, I'm sure this happens to you, you get the recruiters emailing you. I had to take my phone number off. Uh, when I used to post my resume, I had to take it off my resume because you'd get the blind phone calls, right? Just, yeah. just straight code calls. Yeah, and you'd just be sitting at your like, current job and your phone rings and you're like, who the? Oh, it's a job recruiter. <laughs> I, 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 you know, and then like, and then when the job's bad, I'm like, I gotta take this, and I go talk to them, and I immediately regret it. Yeah, I've, I've been. Well, and you feel like, like I, in fact, I had one of those earlier where it was like, oh, and this great company, and then I heard what they did, and I was like, uh. Yeah. 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 Uh, good tip. Take the phone number off the resume. Yeah, definitely take it off. Speaking of abysmal failure, Chris. Oh. Uh, so I did a tech screen last week. Uh, okay, a tech screen. A tech yes. screen. Let me see if I can figure out what this is. Uh, a tech screen. That sounds like when you're like getting screened to see if you have something. So like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see if Google knows what it is. Define tech screen. It's, yes, I, I tested positive for hepatitis iPhone. The candidate screening tool for yeah. technical. Okay, so oh, tell me about this. That. I don't know what that is. Oh, so okay. I, don't, I don't know what you just googled. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, so I did like three rounds, right? Okay. First round, easy peasy. Second round, easy peasy. Third round, the question of – it was for a uh, contract for a very uh, large iPhone consulting place to be a subcontractor. Uh, was it – was the test – did the test involve Swift? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been much worse. So I have never done this before where you get on like a hangout and you code with somebody on the other end. First of all, we've been doing this for a oh, long yeah, time okay. and that has never happened before. So I'm already like, what possible purpose could this serve? Um, Cause you know, my pro- 
process involves headbanging to Britney Spears and Boy George. Of, so. of course. Everybody, like everybody's does. Like everybody does. So not exactly conducive to the whole Hangout thing. Um, but, you know, it was Objective-C. It was iOS. I've done a lot of iOS. Um, you know, got a lot of fairly known brand projects under my belt. Really not that worried, right? Sure. I mean, honestly, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. like, all right. Yeah. And, I, and I passed the first two rounds in, you know, easy peasy. But the first two rounds were kind of the pub trivia style. Okay, you know. sure. Okay, so one, Hangout, initially I can't connect. So we're, we're starting strong, Chris. Ooh. You know, actually, you started Hangouts, man. You just started, I'm like, oh, no. Because you, you know what I think when I think Hangouts? I think bad audio. Yeah, and I, so I've never done, remember, I have never done one of these before. Okay. So I don't really know what to expect, right? So I get in there, you know, there's like two minutes of chit-chat, which is fine. I'm like, oh, is this just like a video call? Because I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then I get sent an Xcode project. Okay, no problem. How, how, how are they? Are they? Are they doing like some sort of like link? Like they're giving you a link to download a project? Yeah, I think it was like a drive link. I like Dropbox. this. Okay, so this is good. So you're getting links in chat. You got video going on. You're downloading oh, stuff I while video know. chatting. Always a good idea. Code locks up twice during the process. But uh-huh. I was even go there. Um, I decided not to use app code for this because I was kind of you know I'm a little rust. I'm not exactly there with app code, and I didn't know what I was going to be asked. I thought maybe I'd have to do some storyboard stuff. Boy, was I wrong. Uh-oh. So one problem is that I've been doing iOS for so long that mm-hmm. I kind of have my ways of doing things. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. And I found out that, that is to the exclusion of alternatives. Ah. So let's – I have a whole little three-question thing here, right? The base problem was that this firm – is very, very big. I mean, by headcount, by number of developers on an iOS project, I don't... If what they said was true, which I have no reason to doubt them, huge, huge amount of developers on one huge. project. And, and so by that extent, I would imagine they may have their own culture, if you will, or so way of doing their, things. Their own technical challenges that only exist when you have that many developers working on the very same Very true, project. of course. Right, right. So that, that's where we get into trouble here. Uh, so, okay, there, you know, here's this project, and it's, uh, you know, it's an Xcode project, right? And I, the exact question wasn't important, but it was like, you know, okay. go try to do this. Okay. And I'm sitting there, Command-Shift-O, trying to open a storyboard file. Mm-hmm. I'm like, huh. Like a gentleman. Okay. Well, let me see. Is there a nib? No, and the guy's got a smirk. Oh, because he's watching you do this, of course. Uh, I, yes. Like, oh, that's awkward. So, and it's a nice guy, but they do not use any of the Apple layout tools. Oh, okay. Because they've been around a long time, probably. No, because uh, the, the, he explained it to me at the end. The problem is with teams as large as they are, on you know, because. Everybody's worked on large teams, I'm sure. But usually if you have a 20-person team, uh, 20 team, in my experience, there's only like two or three iOS developers. Mm. So really you can just deal with it, right? They have like 20 iOS developers working on one thing. Wow, the new, the new world. So the storyboard files, which are just giant blobs of XML, do not merge correctly. Yeah, which sure. Steve and I have experienced. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, that but, does not surprise me at all. But for them, it's such a huge problem. That they've decided that they simply don't use the tooling. Like, at all. But how are you supposed to really know that as an outside person? Like, that doesn't so, seem fair, it, exactly. Well, I, I gotta, 
I'll be honest. I was a little butthurt at first. I'm like, well, that you know, that's dumb, right? Like, <laughs> I could totally do this. And you know, if you go to Barnes and Noble and buy advanced iOS development, it's going to tell you about storyboards, yeah, or zips. I mean, it's a little lame, but the the rationale he gave me at the end of why they care is because one, they have sort of a philosophical dislike for storyboards, oh. in that they. You know, it does all the stuff for you, it does all the layout tools, and it generates code for you. Um, but the problem is that code that generates, you therefore don't write. So if you're not using storyboards, there's this entire realm, and nibs by extension, this entire realm of code that you will have never known that you needed to write. Uh, let me give you an example, a really trivial example. If you have a UI table view cell and you want to use a reuse identifier, I'm sure at one point I knew this before there were boards. You have to have that as a property on the class that's the tables, uh, the table views delegate, right? But because of the magic that is nibs and storyboards, all you have to do is type in the screen string into a little mm. box mm-hmm. and the cell, and it does it for you. But if you're not using storyboards, you have to link it all together. Manually. Right, right. So that's just an area where the tooling hides it from you, right? Um, you know, there's all these default things that have to be set that, again, nibs and boards do it for you. So, you know, I was very, um, I was left that two-hour session with quite a, a, a bag of mixed feelings, right? Mm, one, I bet. One, I was a little embarrassed because I just bombed this. Like, I knew I, I was trying to be nice, but I was like, dude, I don't even know why you last, we did this for two hours, like. It was obvious that it wasn't going to. to Did you say that? Did you? No. Or are you just thinking that to yourself? I was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> because it was, and there were other questions, and, and I, there were whole portions of it that I got right. Mm. But it was so obvious that the thing that mattered the most was: do you use storyboards, and can you not use them? And I'm sure I, you know, could not use them, but I'd have to learn it, right? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, does that is that bombing though? Who have you ever hired because they knew everything they needed to know to do the contracts job? Are different though, right? No. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Contracts you got to get and hit the ground running. If I think if I was going as a W two, I, yes. I probably would have done better. Yeah, yeah. But no one wants to invest in a contractor. Yeah, that's true. Which makes a ton of sense. Yeah. So, you know, I left really liking the guy. I left feeling a little embarrassed, but then I left them. I was like, is that a really, like, is that actually, you know, is this a good way to do things? And I spent the remainder of the night, like, reading all these crazy blog posts, these crazy Apple developer forums of people who are arguing back and forth. And the reality is, okay, so there are some big companies that are doing things this way, simply because the damn storyboard files do not merge correctly in Git. Okay. But it's a ton more work. <laughs> uh, is that is that an understatement? <laughs> so you know, totally not advisable unless you have this problem. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I'm like, okay, well that you know, then I started feeling a little butthurt. I was like, you know, that really is kind of a lame uh, way to disqualify someone. But it got me to this question of, so if you're if you're going into a project that has a problem that you've never seen before and it and it's kind of a self-inflicted problem, right? Are you wrong or are they wrong? Cuz I you know, I, I Oh out. man. Oh, this is a good question. This is 
because I, you know, logically working through, it, I'm like, well, you know, this is a self-inflicted wound. But then again, if they're billing hourly with 20 iOS developers on a project, I'm doing the math. I'm like, God damn, that's a nice problem to have. Even though, and I came to the conclusion of, even though it would be ridiculous for me to adopt their practices and for what I'm doing and what I would imagine like 99.99% of the people who listen to the show who do iOS development are doing is the right thing to do for them, they are not necessarily crazy, right? Because if you think about it, they're a consulting shop. They are almost certainly billing by the hour. Mm -hmm. So the overhead involved in doing this, they're just passing on to their clients, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the really the really setup shops actually do literally pass this time on to the clients. Right. And and it's true that the the you know I've had problems working with one other developer on a storyboard and having to merge it by hand. Um, it's totally true that the storyboard files of two people edit them. Or and oh, I can't man. imagine. I if, love your question though. So can I zoom out just for a sec? Because yeah. uh, you just reminded me. I have two stories. Uh, I have I worked for a company that was making. Uh, they they started out making the uh, the original. Adware, malware, crap software, monitor what you do and make money off it. Before we ever had a term called spyware, before Steve Gibson ever called anything anything, there was a company out there called – and you guys, maybe maybe it's on – it might be on Wikipedia. Google this. I'm going to tell you about it. It's called E-Acceleration. And I worked for E-Acceleration out of Paulsville, Washington. That might help you narrow down the search. They, yeah. they transitioned into a different kind of company. They still, did, they still did all of their software marketing via late-night TV ads Ooh. where you would see ads on TV for software that will speed up your PC. That, that, this was them. Right. Uh, and and I, I don't think I've ever told this story on the show before, but I did interview years ago for Google. And Google okay. had one of the biggest concept questions at both these companies threw these concept questions at me. And, and, and I, 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 so when you're, when you're ready, I want to tell you those stories because, man, <laughs> you reminded me of those. And those are great stories to share. Well, and it sounds like they'd be right up the same alley. The, the, the level, because of who Google is, right, they have problems that, you know, Chris Lass LLC does not have. Right. Right. They there it is. E stop sign. Oh, my God. The chat room oh, already found it. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Oof. Oh man, that brings back memories. Oof, that's a bad time. Yeah. It's all yes. one site. All one site. Yeah, it, it it's funny because uh one, it shows how much the iOS dev market has matured that you can have teams that large now. Mm, yeah, exactly. That was my that was when I first thought when you said that I was like, wow, this is a new this is really kind right. of the new reality in the sense of their their teams are so large that some of these tools aren't scaling for them anymore. It's like that's not a problem Apple traditionally had. Well, and yeah, and Apple tools, I think, are very much geared towards the one or two guys working on a project kind of yes. thing. Yes, because well, so, that's, that's that's the grand myth, right? Right, right. Uh, so I'm not sure where this leaves. I mean, I, I you know, I just thought it would be an interesting story for you know folks in the audience. One, everybody strikes out on a tech screen every once in a while, right? Oh man, my Google interview. <laughs> Go it ahead. Went bad. Okay, all right. So before we go any further, and I'm excited to hear the next part of Noah's story, I want to thank DigitalOcean, a longtime sponsor of the Coda Radio program. And DigitalOcean is a great solution for our audience. In fact, Coda Radio was the first program they came on because this is an ideal 
ideal platform for developers. You can spin up a droplet in seconds. You can have a different – you can have Ubuntu or Fedora or Debian or CoreOS or, my goodness, even FreeBSD, which I guess uh, you've never tried. But I'm told it's a Class A FreeBSD experience. I guess it's – you know, one of the things that's really cool about – just as a total aside uh, that oh, probably only the geeks would care about, but I know you're going to like this, is they literally work upstream with the FreeBSD project to make sure it works good on DigitalOcean. And when it came time to get CoreOS on DigitalOcean, mm-hmm. same story. Like they work, oh, nice. yeah, they work. So they get like an like they have an official channel with the CoreOS project for this kind of stuff. And they got all four of the BSD guys that are. Oh, oh nice! Oh, oh nice. did I rest? Hey, oh. did you see that recently? Uh, DigitalOcean again, just as a sort of a side tangent, has released their uh, command line utility. Have you seen this? No. Yeah. So every pretty much every darn thing you can do through their really nice web UI. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And of yeah. course, because they have their API, so they've built a command line client around their API, and it, you get full. What I love about this dude is mm-hmm. okay. All right, are you with me? Get this. This combined with a Gwake drop-down terminal, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've got, you've got your, your SSH into your droplet in one tab. Mm-hmm. In the other tab, you've got this so you could do a quick snapshot before you do something crazy. Mm-hmm. And in seconds, you've backed up your DigitalOcean droplet, and now you're off trying something cray-cray. And when it doesn't work out, you just roll it right back. This thing is super, super sweet. Anyways, uh, and of course, guess what? They've open-sourced the damn thing. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So they're being a real community member. I love it. DigitalOcean runs on Linux. They use KVM for the virtualizer. They've got data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, uh, Germany. And one of the things that they make sure to do is, like, they don't just pick, like, a random building. Mm -hmm. It's a key data center with tier one bandwidth. And the other thing, like, this is brilliant, too, for me, because I don't really have the budget to reach into Europe Mm -hmm. and have, like, a key distribution point. Right. This data center they have in Germany is – in terms of damn near local performance, it's the best I could ever get, and it's five dollars a month. I can drop a droplet over there, and people on that side of the pond are getting great performance. It, it makes me like a like a baller. And then like when we're here working on stuff just in our neck of the woods, doing like local backup streams and stuff mm-hmm. like that, I always spin up in San Francisco yeah. because pretty much anything you do in the Seattle area gets mm-hmm. routed through San Francisco. Anyways, I'm going there anyways. So to have my data center there is a no brainer. And when you're on the East Coast, you can go in New York. You know, what, you know what's even better. Sometimes you'll get friends. That are really specific of you of you using software that you haven't really had a chance to play with or really don't have a particular care for, and you'd rather use things like FTP. And so sometimes you might even set up a droplet that has a nice. syncing system on it, so that you can use your antiquated FTP solution to drop the files up. There. Is that and what you're just, doing? And it will just you sync hilarious. down to your friend's computer. Is that how you're syncing files to me? That's how I'm syncing files. Oh to you. my god, dude. <laughs> You need to take like you need to take like Five a bucks thirty. A month. You, Why would I not do that? You need to do like a thirty day FTP detox, bro. <laughs> Anyways, you go to digitalocean.com. Just use the promo code Coder Digital. You got to use that for them to continue to support us. And we just crested two hundred episodes. Crested? Crested? No, I think it's crested. Crested. That's what you said. I said crested. I think you said crested. I think you just thought you said. Crested. I know. I, and you know the worst thing is I was thinking about donuts, which doesn't even make oh, no. donuts don't even have crust. They might if you cooked them long enough. Anyways, if you go over to DigitalOcean and you use the promo code Coder Digital, you'll support this show. You'll keep us going for another two hundy, hopefully. Plus, you get a ten dollar credit, and you can try their five dollar rig two months for free. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code Coder Digital, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. Okay, so tell me about part two of your developer story woes. So the open source developer route. You got a guy. He did the work. Yeah. He even delivered, but the project just didn't accept the code. Right. Lesson learned. Yeah. Tell me about the next one. So uh, 
first of all, I, I'll just clarify this right out. Just knock this right out the gate. Uh, I'm not paying your proprietary developer ever. Like that will just not something wow. that's going to happen. Wow, I think happen. you just probably you, there's definitely some people listening that agree with you, but there's yeah. I think we have a fair amount of proprietary and applications. That's, that's great. That's great, and they're welcome to disagree with me. I I'm, this is not my where I'm going to spend my money. So second time was also an open source developer, and. I was using OS Ticket, was I migrating away from my horribly implemented software solution that I wrote? Do you that at least work? Do you take that stance as because then AltaSpeed has the code? Is that I take that stance for a number of reasons. The first is that I think it's fundamentally hypocritical for me to go into another business and tell them that they should be looking at open source solutions, and then when we go to implement a solution on our end, not to use an open source solution or to contribute our capital towards non-open source development. That's, that's reason number one. Reason number two, if I invest in a proprietary solution, I don't get, you can't have it both ways. Either you can ask the community for help and then the project becomes the community's or you can pay somebody and then you own that project. You cannot have both. You cannot both own the pro. You cannot okay, both fair not pay. So, so th- from that perspective, I would rather put something out there and say, "Here, I got kind of got it working. If people can make it better, go right ahead." Right. And then the third reason is that it just—it's a core part of my belief system, right? So, I and just, I would say you could probably also add, it's not bad branding for the company to say AltaSpeed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here's some open source sure. that was made possible by AltaSpeed funding. That's not bad yeah. branding. So the second time is we actually we hired an open source developer again, and my software solution, which, however terrible, did work. Um, but I decided we were going to replace it with an open source solution. So OS Ticket had matured, but they didn't have a desktop client. And I hate web apps. And so I said, listen, I don't care if you just wrap it. I don't care if it's a web wrapper. I just need something that runs OS Ticket. So I have an icon. Yeah, like, that have I you heard of this thing called Electron? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Basically. And so hired an open source developer. And he looks at it and he gets back to me and he's like, well, it's going to be X amount of dollars. And by the way, we have to have them make changes to the server code in order for the client to work. Well, after my bad experience with OBS, I don't really want to ask them to make changes to the server code. That's number one. Number two is I have a the, the Android client that doesn't require any changes, uses their existing API and does all the things that I wanted it to do. And third of all, the overall cost, my understanding was that since the web client already existed, if we could just wrap that, I didn't anticipate that would be a huge costly thing to do. And apparently, I, and again, I, I admit that I don't really know what I'm asking, but apparently it was going to be very expensive. So that was really kind of fail number two with the open source development. And I haven't hired a developer since then. I've given up on development. Hmm. You know, if people have suggestions, coderadio.reddit.com, I bet uh, Mr. Kern yeah. Linux could swing by there and check out your your ideas yeah. and your suggestions. Yeah, OS Ticket is the software you're using. And they yeah. have an API. So if somebody has a has an easy way to get for me to get all I really need is a way that I can minimize to the dock or the the you know the um notification Launcher. bar yeah so that oh the, the program tray. well basically so it always just stays running that's all i really care about so i don't have to go to a website every time i want to check a ticket computer this isn't what i wanted at all all right so i'll start with google because google is the was i think before e-acceleration although this is all so long ago that i can't actually really recall it all but what i do remember is i had a job at the time so that, you know, when you go in to do a job interview and you already have a job, that, that totally changes your approach to the interview because, like, you're not as desperate. You don't need them, right? And you, can, you, you do want them. You want them, but you don't need them. And so you can go in there with a little bit of, you need me and I need you. And we both are kind of on the same level now. And so that's how I entered the Google interview. And, man, was I very quickly flipped on my head. Uh, it I am a pretty confident, smooth, easy-to-talk-to guy, um, and I can pretty much be in any situation that you could conceive of, and I can have a good conversation with 
just about anybody, and you're just going to have to believe me, but I have been in some really weird situations and still got along great with everybody. And so when I get on the phone, typical Chris, hey, how's it going? You know, we start talking, and I'm in a car. I remember that. I'm parked at my at my current employer, and I went out into my car, and it's it's go. It's one of these moments where the car starts to feel extremely claustrophobic. Like <laughs> I'm in the smallest room in the world because they start instead of asking me questions about Linux and system administration and my work experience, they start throwing concepts at me, oh. like complicated sort of like scenarios, like you know. Almost like uh, – uh, what, what are those like John and Susie are catching a train? There's another train yeah, coming. Yeah, 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 These yeah, kinds yeah. of things. And I'm, I'm, I was completely thrown because I did not expect that – like I was a good systems administrator. I was really – at this point in time, I hadn't gone into contracting yet and I had just got done building a kick-ass system for a company. And I was like really, really the top – and I was like – I was expecting questions about Linux and I was expecting questions about networking. And I, instead, I got like all of these really weird storyboard questions and it really – really threw me and I kind of got kind of offended and I so I stumbled a little bit and they eventually said I don't know why you thought this would be a good fit and I said to them in response I said I was expecting questions about my technical ability not these conceptual questions like trust me I'm not a dumb person it's just oh you went for it huh <laughs> I well I was like I just I want you I just want you to understand that like I was expecting to talk about my technical merits and abilities and they're like well we at Google believe that your Aww. yeah that your technical skills are like a limited time thing and that your ability and so basic by the way they have been barred from doing this type of interview practice this was something before there was they literally are not allowed to do this anymore but it before that came down this was it was very condescending and i was i remember yeah. feeling afterwards i felt yeah i felt like i'm not i'm not i'm not as good as i thought it was i'm not at the top of i'm not and then i remember thinking well, who the, who the hell are they? Like, what are they asking me these questions for? The people asking me the questions weren't even – they didn't have any technical expertise. They were like an HR middle layer type thing. And uh, I had a really bad experience. And when Google called me back about six, seven months later for another position, I just said, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh... – yeah. And then, OK, so at eAcceleration <laughs> – so at eAcceleration, because they were in Paulsville, Washington, I actually went to their office to do the interview. And uh, – so the guy who ran the department, nice guy, great IT director, starts writing up scenarios on the whiteboard. Oh boy! And oh I, boy! And I actually, I actually said, you know, uh, sir, if you don't mind, I wouldn't mind answering actual problems you run into recently and telling you how I would have solved them because I'm not actually good at these completely. Ad- because here's here's the way my my to to a to a to a complete and utter fault. If you don't give me something real that I can I can actually have an interest in, like. Like you're made a bullshit story. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend you, but you're not that awesome, and it doesn't actually get my attention. And so, if you don't manage to capture my attention, and this is probably a deficit of mine, I can't really wrap my head around it. I can't really commit myself to it. You give me an actual problem that actually happened to you. Guess what? Now you've got my interest, and I'll solve it for you. And so, I told him that in a, in a really nice way, and he shifted gears, and I ended up getting the job. And it, it it worked. It was really interesting. It was a good job for a little while to, to really solve some interesting back end problems. Right. Uh, but it was it was one was like this weird. Like I felt really bad afterwards. And after the acceleration one, I felt really good because I had, I felt like I had clearly expressed myself and said, "Tell me really real problems you've had." And I felt like they responded to that. And it actually like we ended up having a good relationship. He and I, the director. And even after I quit, we still managed to stay in contact. And when he went off in somewhere else, he tried to hire me to work there. And it was really it was cool. 
Uh, but yeah, it was two I, very I, different experiences. Yeah, I, I uh, we've all had our dalliances with Google, I think, but it's it's very different, I would say, right? In terms of going, first of all, why doesn't Google do that anymore? Are they not allowed to? Right. Because they can do things like it, but the uh, too discriminatory or whatever. Uh, the so they would have. They, it wasn't just that particular type of questions. It was like the requirements they had going in before they even screen a candidate were, uh, were, were too – I can't remember. But essentially it came down to a little bit of discrimination, a little bit of you're not actually allowed to ask some of those things and a, and uh, a little – yeah, and a little yeah. bit of everything else. And so they, they were stopped. I can't remember the details of it now, but I remember later on thinking, wow, I was actually affected by that. Yeah, I – you know, I – on the one hand, like going for contracting jobs, I, I kind of understand the somewhat, I would argue, unnecessarily high, high bar. Mm-hmm. But if you're going as an employee, if you're going for a W-2, it definitely seems, you know, one, you're not paying contracting rates, right? And supposedly it's supposed to be a long-term relationship where you invest in the company and the company invests in you. So why... I've never understood the crazy interview process thing. I've never, like, and maybe this is a deficit on my part. To me, knowing if you, if I don't want to hire someone is the fastest thing in the world. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, I, I think we've talked about it. You know, we talked about right. it over the last couple of weeks. Like, hiring an employee is the riskiest thing you do for your business. But at the same time, like, well, it, the, the problem is, you know why? I'll tell you. I'll t- Mike, I'll tell you right now. The reason is, is because the people doing the hiring are five levels abstracted out from the from where the job's going to be. And so they have to go through these stupid corporate made-up mythical dances yeah, so that way sure the next person true. accepted to the tribe matches the tribe even though they're, they have no idea. They don't – they can't ask the right questions, so they yeah, have I'm to come sure up with – I'm not sure that's true. I mean I have a buddy of mine who, who was a contractor and is now uh, going into W-2 employment and he's been interviewing at – you know, startups in New York, right? As a developer, um, he's doing like, like he's looking for like an intermediate iOS developer job. He, you know, he's trying to make the change from 1099 to just a full time, whatever. The stories he tells me about like the, and these are startups, right? This is not Google. This is not Facebook. This is not, you know, amazon.com, anything like that are ridiculous, like a five-person panel interview. Mm-hmm. I've done those. With whiteboard questions for mm-hmm. a dev job that pays below market rate. I mean, I understand, you know, like verbal questions. Like, hey, explain to me how table views work. Talk mm-hmm. to me about, you know, you know uh, 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 core data. Talk to me about a time you've had some sort of problem and how you solved it. But, you know, insert, insert Uber for why, right? <laughs> Startup. I mean, how how... You know, how many people really want to work there? That, that, and, and maybe this is just me being totally – I think it's partially in those cases ego. So I, I'll be honest with you. Like if I decided I wanted to get a job and I was entertaining a startup, I would just flat out refuse to do that. Yeah. I've, I'll, because, I'll you know, abbreviate my, my brief story because I've probably told it three right. times on the show. Uh, I also ages ago interviewed at Microsoft when they were building out their Linux division mm. and um, – <laughs> I was doing the Linux action show at the time, and I thought, geez, this is going to be a weird thing, but maybe I could actually make a difference. And right. I, so I, I, I entertained the idea, and I went down for two interviews. And when they called me back for my third interview, because I think at the, I can't remember that. This has been so long ago now. But uh, I think I, I recall the team at the time was six. 
I was either going to be the sixth or the seventh member of the team. And they had three managers. And they had to have me drive down to Redmond three different times so I could interview the three different managers of a six-person team. And at that uh, point in time, I said to myself, uh, I can't do that's this. That's a healthy work chart. That's yeah, I, I cannot I cannot work, I cannot work yeah. with three bosses because I'd been through the ringer with that. And, uh, and so I declined Microsoft over and over and over again after that because the problem was is I'd gotten through two of the managers. So I got pretty far into the interview process, which meant I was applicable for lots of different jobs at Microsoft at that point. And so when, I, when, the, when the jobs would come up, I would show up on their board and I would get a call. I was like, I'm not working for you guys. I don't think you understand this. I'm not going down there. Uh, it was tempting for a brief moment, but I, I do not regret it at all. And I, I guess I could have gotten benefits and a good stable employment at a well-known tech company. Uh, and I would have been working on Linux, which would have been pretty cool. But it just, it just, just, it reeked of there was something wrong there with three managers for that amount of people. And you can okay, sometimes but, pick up on it during the interviews. And sometimes it comes across, in my opinion, as ego. Sometimes people are just like, they think their 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 S don't stink when it's, it does stink a little bit. Oh, I mean, for sure, right? It, and, you know, I, I, I have to relay this story. So the same guy goes on an interview for a startup, right? They have no iOS developers mm. whatsoever. They had a contractor who straight up quit on them. So already that's telling you that yep. you know it wasn't worth it for the contractor. And who knows if they you know if they paid them or whatever. Um, it's in my easy though, regardless. In, in my experience, contractors don't generally quit as long as the checks are on. They time. like to get paid, right? We're we're big into that. You know, if the checks are late, we might start looking at other options, but tend to be pretty loyal as long as we're paid. Uh, we're like that guy on Firefly, the big dude. He, so he gets there, and straight up the guy says, you know, I don't do any Objective-C. I don't do any iOS. So uh, let's talk about Java list arrays. Nice. Nice. That's this this exactly what he came in there prepared to talk about. This guy is a self-taught boot camp iOS dev. So he, he knows nothing, right? He, he knows how to do some iOS stuff. He's competent at an intermediate level. He's focused, though. He's focused. And he doesn't have any kind of like CS degree, uh, any any kind of background. So if you give him, say, hey, I need you to do this table view, link this up, show me how you do it, he can do it competently well. If you ask him stuff about theoretical, you know, and, and to be honest, I couldn't answer the question he was asked. Like, oh, which is faster in this case? Um, who cares? You're a startup. You probably can use this. Hell, let's write it to a file on disk and read it every time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have 10 users. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, this is why I don't can't work with startups. By the way, my my normal position of yeah, but you're not Twitter. Like they, that's they like the seriously they seriously in a lot of cases think they're going to be like I, I've I've had yeah. the same. They think they're going to be the next World of Warcraft, the next Twitter. Uh, I worked for one um, that uh, was uh, going to make the next social network for uh, Christians, and it was and they were okay. taking an, an open source product and just reskinning it, re-CSSing it, and their idea was if we host this on some Linux servers and we get some people to add some content to it, and of course I was the guy maintaining the back end and, and fixing stuff when people screwed up the HTML and all this, and, and of course deploying the application, they were going to have the next Christian Facebook. And I remember thinking to myself, like, uh, I'm going to give this my best, but I don't – I think Facebook is going to be the next Facebook, I think. <laughs> so – Pro, pro tip: If you're if you decided you don't want a job at a startup and you just want to have some fun, uh, three things you ask to to really annoy them. Uh, so, w- what's your burn down like? Uh, like like how's revenue? 
Right. <laughs> That's the first question. Uh, you know, I, uh, I actually, I remember with this startup, I actually, we had the line, sorry, paychecks are going to be late, but the fund, the VC funds, are they're, they're writing us another check. Like, it was one of those, like, paychecks delayed a couple of times. It, it, it happened a couple of times with this yeah, client. Yeah, I, I've had that happen. I, I, you know, it's... It, and it's the same thing, too, if your clients are startups. You can get into those weird, like, horse trading situations where their VC, for some weird reason, didn't fund them for that month, right? And they decided not to tell you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, question number two. So, how many daily active users do you actually have? And question number three is really just a follow-up of that. And how many of them are paying users? You know which one's a bad sign? When you don't get around to it, you can't really ask that question. But for some reason, the service is offline, like something happens and the server goes down or the database is offline and and the page, the site hasn't been working all day and nobody says anything. That's usually an indication they don't have a lot of users. (laughs) Yeah. There's – I have to say there's like a whole warning list of red flags. Not that you shouldn't go work for stars. I mean one of the nice things – you know, if I were to like just hang it up and go get a job, job, I probably would go for a smaller firm or another or an yeah, agency. There's advantages. Because I would want to work from home. Right. And that would be part of the deal. Like, listen, I I just, you know, that's the deal. Right. You guys don't pay exactly market rates. I want to work. Smaller from home. company, you got a lot of opportunities to make a actual dent. Right. And assuming they're not totally insane, their product may not die in six months, but who knows? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the Coda Radio program. I hope everything's going well for Mr. Dominic. We'll be checking in with him during our road trip, so we'll find out more. But uh, depending on how that goes for Mike and all of that, you'll be hearing either from him next week with me or we'll be doing another one of these. I hope in some ways you'll be hearing from Noah and I again because that means Mike's got a new baby. Yeah. Which would be pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, but either way, we'll keep you guys posted. Don't forget you can check the calendar over at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We'll keep live times posted over there. When we do it live, we do it over at jblive.tv. We want your feedback, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact your topics at coderadio.reddit.com. Also a great spot for feedback. Mr. Noah, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. You can follow him at Colonel Linux on the Twitter. I'm at Chris LAS at Dumanoku. Uku? Uku? Dumanoku is Mr. Dominic. I would uh, also check out Buccaneer Tech if I were you. You never know what's going on over there. And check out Mike's blog as well. If you miss him, you can go read them. Why not? Yeah. Why not? That works. Why not? You could just replay this episode. <laughs> that's, that's true. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio, and we'll see you right back here next week.